This is Hope FM. Now, my very special guest today is a young lady that I first met when she came with a whole group of her friends from the uh, Chatterbox project in Bournemouth. Uh, her name is Natalie Sharing. She's come today to tell us about some of her writing ability and in fact she's just put a whole book together. She's done lots of other bits and pieces of writing, has got lots of aspirations and also wants to start an, uh, a new business. But first of all, maybe tell us a wee bit about Chatterboxes, Natalie. How did you come to get involved with them? Uh, yes, uh, so I got, got involved in the Chatterboxes about six years ago now and um all that long ago <laughs> um but i went with another group to um uh, a nightclub actually um and they run a nightclub event called the big night out where people with disabilities come uh and you know have a dance and a nightclub outing that you know they wouldn't usually be able to do and um and then whilst i was there uh, the chat boxes were there giving out their leaflets and I thought, well, actually that looks quite good. So I joined, you know, and I haven't been, I haven't looked back really um, since because, I mean, it's given me lots of opportunities, um, lots of uh, different opportunities um, and I've had a lot of wide experiences and grown in confidence in that uh, since I started so um, yeah. Now of course you said there about disabilities and indeed uh, you know all of the participants in Chatterboxes have one form or other of a disability but yes. that, that hasn't held them back has it? No, no, not at all So what about yourself, What 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 is your disability that you were, I presume you were born with it? Yeah, so I have uh, Asperger's and ADHD so uh, I wasn't actually diagnosed uh, with Asperger's till I was 18 and I only got diagnosed as ADHD last year. So it's, um, yeah, no, but it's been a lot. Uh, I I must say that um, I have um, prospered since my uh, diagnosis uh, of Asperger's. Um, because before I didn't know, uh, I didn't have an explanation as to why I was, you know, different or whatever have you. Um, and, and of course, so, there's, a, there's a lot of people in the same position, mm. Natalie, isn't it? I mean, and that must be really quite worrying, you know, yes. when you know there's something wrong, but you don't know what it yes, is. Yes, yeah. I mean, I think the turning point came when I was 18 and we were moving house. We were moving from Ricelip to Swanage. And uh, Grandad, uh, back in the day, put a, a gate, a side gate, a side door, rather, to stop me escaping and stop people getting in and whatever have you. And, um, and this door was dilapidated and warped and, you know, needed replacing. So I said, oh, I'll, I'll take the door down and and put it a new one on so i took this door off and then was trying to put the new one on but um kind of uh, hit a bit of difficulty and um like my uncle had to come and bail us out and sort of um you know help us fix it and that but i was um 
inconsolable. I was sobbing, ugly crying, as it were, in the corner of the kitchen over a door. Uh, and I thought, this is not normal <laughs> for an 18-year-old to be doing. <laughs> so I thought then that there was something amiss. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, then when I moved to Swanage, I finally did something about it. I went to the doctors and said, oh, you know, I want to be tested. And, and they tested me and, and you know, obviously uh, it came back. I mean, I was very lucky, really, because it only took about, the process took about three weeks. And usually people... People are waiting months or years to actually, you know, from start telling the doctor that they think something is amiss to actually getting the diagnosis is um, is usually a long process. But for me, I was very lucky. Uh, and then, obviously, uh, I finally got the ADHD diagnosis uh, last year. And uh, that was a struggle. That was an uphill battle because uh, I'd mentioned it to several doctors and they said, oh, what's the point in knowing now? Like, you know, they actually refused to bother testing me. Uh, And that was really annoying. Um, But finally, I found a doctor that actually listened and he said, oh, I'll get you referred. And, you know, I filled out numerous questionnaires, had a, um, I had two or three um, sessions with this psychiatrist asking me different questions and that, and then yeah, it came back. Uh, so I'll, um, so I'm very pleased about that. That it's finally officially, you know. Well, well, one of the things that impressed me about you is that you're not exactly. I wouldn't use the words shy or retiring, <laughs> uh, you know, and applying to yourself, Natalie. But of course, one of the things that I know that you now do is to encourage other young people with disability, in fact, anybody with disability, not just to sit there and and take it, but it's not just people with disability, because you also help to educate other people, uh, you know, as to the needs of those with disability, don't you? Yes, that's right, yeah. So about, well, two years ago, or nearly three years ago, I decided to set up my own business um, called Sherlock Consultancy. And, uh, you know, obviously... Um, it's been an uphill struggle. Um, Wrong you know, time, because that was just before just before COVID, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. So um, yeah. So we haven't obviously. We're still in the waiting. Like, but uh, excitingly enough, we may uh, be uh, hopefully training so, uh, the um, all of the people in the judicial system. Hopefully. Uh, so I've got a, a contact <laughs> uh, who is a magistrate and she's uh, in the process of asking her boss if I can come in, if we can come in and train all the judges, lawyers, all of that to how to interact with people with disabilities in a courtroom setting. Because not only is it, you know, traumatic, you know, to be in a courtroom uh, as it is, I mean, I haven't actually been in one, but I I'm can pleased imagine to hear that, it, Natalie. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I haven't actually been in one, but you know, uh, that is a very stressful time. Anything legal is a stressful and traumatic time, whether you're on the plaintiff side or the on the defendant side. But um, you know, it's. Um, it's very, it's even harder if you've got a disability and you don't understand 
uh, the questions that are being asked of you or you feel uh, you interpret the question differently um, so I was listening to a podcast about a lady with autism and she was saying that her uh, this woman got her children taken away because she answered the question uh, in she interpreted the question wrongly and um and if they'd asked her it in a different way, she would have answered it in a different way. Uh, but you know, these if it, it can have like such a huge effect on your life. Um, and of course, you know, that, and of course so, that, that applies not just to the judicial system; it applies no. to everything, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess that if you can't express yourself or whatever, mm. and of course these days you have to go through these terrible assessments, don't you? Yes, even to get uh, disability alliances. Oh. Don't even. I mean, yeah. So when I was, uh, so the originally when I uh, applied for uh, PIP, I had help and it was all done, and I, you know, someone sat with me and did it all, uh, and helped me, and I got it, and it was very, very lucky. And then a year or so ago, they decided they uh, they needed to reevaluate me. And they said that uh, oh, I had a ten half an hour phone call with a woman on the from in Scotland, I think she was, and uh, she said oh, and uh, it came back that they'd stopped it. So I I went I you know um, uh, did a an automatic like uh, sort of. When appeal, you send yeah. it back, yeah. like when you say appeal, like, yeah, a reconsideration notice, that's it, reconsideration notice. Mm-hmm. So I did that and and sent a doctor's letter and everything like that. The doctor wrote a note to say, you know, she should have her PIP reinstated and, you know, this, that and the other. So, uh, fortunately, they saw sense. And that the report, you know, it was... Uh, absolute, you know, it was rubbish, you know, because they got so many things wrong. They said that I could do various things that I can't do or, you know, struggle to do. Um, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I don't like you as a, using the word can't do because obviously, uh, I there's a lot of things I I can't I can do everything a normal person could do. well not normal person but um, you know sort of a neurotypical person can do but I struggle uh, a lot with various things um, and uh, you know so it's important to um, uh, understand that you can't just uh, speak to someone on the phone for a very short period of time and make a decision that will affect their life, you know, in such mm. a strong and, way. And, of course, there's a lot of injustice around that, isn't there? Because oh, yes. I mean, you're a bit of a fighter. I yes. can tell that. In fact, you're, she's, she's actually wearing uh, an artillery hat this morning. I'll ask you about why in a moment, uh, Natalie. But you are a fighter, and, 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 of course, you have had support yourself. But there, there are many, many other people who have, well, given up, haven't they? They haven't even appealed. No, that's right, yes. I mean, there are various people that just sort of think, oh, well, there's no point because they're just going to say no again. And, you know, that is really uh, quite sad because uh, lots of people, there are lots of people out there that do need it. And just because certain people um, take advantage of it 
the system and that, then they they have to they have they say no to people that genuinely need it, and uh, that is what really annoys me. Um, it's like uh, in similar injustice, like you know they like so with catching criminals and that, you know they seem to not catch criminals that need to be locked up and and stop you for sp- going 31 in a 30 mile an hour zone you know so it's not yeah. <laughs> Ian, Ian's holding his hand up have you been caught then Ian? I think he has yeah. uh, I have yes um, once recently yes uh, unfortunately I think it was um, 34 uh, I think it was it, it was just tiny bit over uh, and that and that's because I was in a line of traffic didn't think I was speeding at all. No. But everybody else must have been in the same boat. So never mind. Well, yeah. before we talk about about the, the book that you have completed yeah. and also about this, you know, awareness, uh, is, because what you're talking about is working with professional people or those who are working right. with a with disability and making them, you know, aware. And we all need that. But your first track is Cindy Lauper, True Colours. That's you, right. You said to me off air, you know, I am my own person. Uh, I like that. But why? Why this one? Oh well, I mean it's rather, um, rather a, a gloomy uh, um, sort of reason, really. But uh, my cousin Dan, who I will talk about later, hopefully, um, uh, they had it at his uh, funeral, and I thought I'd uh, give him a, a, a nod, you know, to to, to Dan. Um, so Dan, this is for you. Yeah. This is Hope FM. Well, that's Cindy Lauper there and uh, True Colours, uh, dedicated this morning by my special guest, Natalie Sherlock, to her, to her cousin. That's right. Uh, who sadly is no longer with us. That's right, yes. Yeah. So we um, unfortunately uh, lost him in 2017, so four years ago. Uh, and it was, you know, depression that took him, and uh, as a result of which I have decided to set up a charity uh, called the Forever Foundation, fur spelled as in tree, Um, because what we're going to do is support people that have also been bereaved by suicide and also plant evergreen trees in their memory so that we can help people and the planet yeah, so that's um, hopefully going to you have a, develop. A, you have a lot of experience, but, but obviously what you need is a lot of encouragement and support. So mm. if, if there's somebody listening to the programme this morning, you're an employer, uh, or, or maybe you work for the court system, or maybe the, you know, any, any employer at all, uh, having a disabled son myself, I know how important it is for people to understand how disability impacts ordinary people and I can think of nobody better Natalie than yourself being invited in to maybe talk to a group of people because you talk out of experience don't you yes that's right I mean everything I uh, I say to people and advise is based on my own personal um, way of looking at things and you know I have a lot I I Think I'm very strongly uh, feel very strongly about how parents um, treat their children. You know, especially those with um, 
you know, disabilities and that, uh, because it's so important uh, for their parents not to underestimate them, and uh, because, well, it's, it's important for the world not to underestimate them, uh, because, um, you know, there are, however, you, you know, you might be uh, severely disabled, but there is, there might be still something that that you i mean everyone has value you know to add to this this world and um and if you if the person is so severely disabled that they can't sort of do anything sort of um living in a sort of vegetative state or, or whatever it might be um that's a horrible word, isn't it? But, uh, but um, that's the term people use. That's it. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but um, if if that person themselves can't do anything, then uh, their parents or their family or their friends or someone who uh, has been touched by them, uh, that's their reason for being here. You know. Uh, so. Everyone's got a, a purpose. Um, it's like I, I particularly like the film Hugo with uh, Asia Butterfield, uh, you know, because he's saying everyone is a cog in a giant machine and we all have a, a purpose. And if you take one cog away, then the machine stops working or it doesn't function as well as it should. Um, so, you know, it's it's very important that we um, that we realise that. There was, uh, when we went to the Chassboxes uh, 175 event, I attended a workshop on social enterprising and uh, there was, they played, a, had a presentation and video and whatever have you. And one of the things that they said was it was a case study in Australia, I think it was Australia, they had this cafe run by robots and you would have thought that that's a bad thing you know robots taking over human jobs but in actual fact what it is is people uh, paralyzed people quadriplegics uh, from their hospital beds controlling these robots by their, their like eyes and mind and that uh, so they've hooked their brains up to uh, this equipment and it can actually run the cafe uh, makes the robots run the cafe. So even people <laughs> lying in hospital beds can do, you know, they ha they can give value to society. So it's really important that we we note that. And it's a bad opportunity, isn't it? I mean, yes. I did, I don't know whether, I read a book recently and I can't yeah. remember what it was called. It was actually a company in the States yeah. who, who worked for a pharmaceutical company mm. and they decided that, that they would employ only people with disability mm. in, in their factories. And do you know that although it took a wee while to get the shareholders to agree to it all, yeah. the productivity of that, yeah. of that company, yeah. because A, people were so grateful mm. that there was opportunity. People were moving into the area where these jobs were on offer but actually they didn't drop their standards the, the producti productivity levels actually increased yeah. uh, and I thought to myself wow that's a that's a message we should all hear and uh, uh, you know, have a different attitude to uh, you know to how we may um, maybe employ different people with disability now you've you've completed one book what's the subject matter yeah, so it's a children's uh, superhero novel, uh, and it's a bit different 
than other superhero novels because this boy, um, my main character, is autistic. And so at the beginning, he knows he's different, like, uh, but uh, he just thinks he's, you know, just, uh, um, just a bit different. But then his school... Um, sends a letter home uh, and uh, detailing that he they think he's might be autistic and he goes to the doctors and get goes through the process the diagnosis and that and gets diagnosed as Asperger's and then that night um, a you know a, something supernatural happens and he he gets superpowers so. Um, and it's all about his sort of um, navigating, uh, you know, uh, this newfound um, diagnosis and also his newfound superpowers. And he uh, acquires a, um, uh, a sidekick. Um, and, uh, well, I mean, obviously, I don't want to go too much away because I want you to Oh, no, you want to buy the book. Yeah. <laughs> What's the book called? Natalie? It's uh, called The Amazing Marshall. And uh, it's... Um, should be, um, you know, um, soon, hopefully, because I, if I, if there are any publishers listening and like the idea, please do uh, get in touch because I, um, I haven't got a publisher at the moment, um, because it's very difficult to find a publisher that doesn't want a lot of money from you. Usually, publishers pay the author to publish their book, and then <laughs> you know. Um, Ian knows a thing or two about self publishing, don't you? Yeah. It's a hard road, but stick with it. Yeah, that's right. And actually, if people, because I'm quite sure there'll be people listening to you, people all around you, uh, who are thinking, you know what, Natalie, you are doing an amazing job. And actually, uh, you know, you have an infectious personality. So people should stand with you and say, you know what, we'll all join forces. Crowdfunding. Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Oh, that'd be good, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's an element in it uh, where um, at the beginning he's being bullied by a like, school bully and then um, the amazing Marshall, him, Owen in his uh, alter ego form, um, uh, sort of makes him see sense and they actually become best friends. Um, so there is um, going to be a book two um, there's going to be like a sequel. Um, so, and I've already previewed that in the at the end of book one. So I have to do. It. I'm obligated to do it. <laughs> um, you know, that's how I mo- mo- motivate myself to uh, <laughs> to get it done. You know, I've already said it's going. I've already put the preview, so I've got to got to write it now. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, listen, if anybody uh, out there listening to the programme this morning uh, you know, wants to stand with Natalie and, and encourage her and maybe to help her to, to publish that book, the, the amazing Marshall, I look forward to reading that book, uh, uh, then you can give the radio station a shout and then I can connect you into uh, to Natalie. Well, you've, uh, it's been fantastic having you on. You'll have to come back again. Yes, that'd be regular, yeah. And uh, now your, your final track is a very appropriate one of this, yes. this time called uh, These Things Shall Pass, Johnny Cash. Are you a fan? Oh, I love Johnny Cash. Absolutely wonderful man he was. And, uh, you know, he wrote lots of, um, 
you know, um, Christian songs and uh, very appropriate songs, very moving songs. And um, I just thought, that, you know, I've just got to play this one because it's it's so appropriate for what is happening. You know, we think it's a song of all about hope, really, and it's about, you know, sort of um, thinking about the, 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 these troubles. You may have troubles now, but it they're not going to last forever uh so here we go johnny cash these things shall pass this is hope fm